be. I'm hot just like an oven. I need some loving. And okay. baby, I can't hand it much, hold it much longer. It's getting stronger and stronger. And when I get that feeling, I got sexual healing. Sexual healing. <laughs> <Ooh -hoo. laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Samantha. Thank you so much for opening up the show. Actually, fitting song for what we're going to chat about today. So it's all going to be good. I like it. It's a classic. Yeah. Can't go wrong it's with that classic. track. Yeah. So yeah. welcome to the show. Welcome to the construction love. And thank you so much for, for agreeing to come on the show. And uh, I first reached out to you because uh, unfortunately, I've had a lot of tradespeople reach out to me to tell me that their relationships and their marriages and their businesses, everything's falling apart. And we can kind of blame it for the last two years of pandemic, see land or whatever. But there's other factors involved, but I mean, uh, that's why we're here and we're going to talk a lot of that stuff. So uh, I just want to share all the deets right now. So Samantha Manonofsky is here. She's an intimacy and relationship coach. Uh, the company is Wandering Love and you can find it at www.wanderinglove.com.au and her email is Samantha at wanderinglove.com.au and on Instagram is Samantha underscore Wandering Love. And then do we want to share the Facebook group, Intimacy Unleashed? With two yeah, D's. yep. Okay, so yeah, so yeah. you find her on on Facebook under Intimacy Unleashed with two D's at the very end. Uh, let me do a quick shout out to a couple of things here, Samantha. Uh, Joe, thank you so much. I'm wearing your tea. Uh, tip, talk, uh, tip Top Exteriors, thank you so much for the tea. So to give him a shout out, he does a lot of great siding and exterior cladding work out in the Niagara area. And then I also want to do a shout out to Ben. Ben Coburn out of uh, Vancouver there, BC, Chase Contracting. Thanks, Ben, for so, uh, for doing such uh, amazing work and supporting the show as you do and the crew listening to us all the time out west, which is great. You can find Ben uh, on IG at Chase Contracting LTD. Uh, book your next project with him and his crew. We'll they'll take care of you. You can email him at Ben at Chase Contracting ltd.com and the website is www.chasecontractingltd.com and of course you can find his show right here on tcl which is show number 275 so thanks ben all right all that business is out of the way now all right so where mm -hmm. do we begin because i've got a world of questions how do you want to begin throw this them at me. just throw them at you um, okay yeah so throw them at me i mean like it's interesting because yeah construction i want to know what the biggest problem is really what are you noticing i wouldn't say there's a big problem i think there's several big problems in construction okay. uh so yeah. i mean i guess one thing i want to ask you based on your experience assisting others right uh what's the common denominator with couples you speak to that they finally realize there's a dead giveaway that this relationship you can't fix it it's re it's reparable like how do you finally realize that you gotta let go That's i don't want to start question. on a downer but i mean at some point, you have to look at something and realize that I can only do so much, mm -hmm. but there's another person on the other end. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'd like to share an analogy, a story Please to do. answer that question. Okay. And I came to this analogy when I was living by myself during COVID and I love the sun and I was sitting out and I had a little fire pit and it's, it, it's challenging to start a fire right okay. for me <laughs> i was like there's a story and so i'm sitting there and i'm like getting all the kindling together and getting all the the base and the foundation set up and i noticed that the fire starts with a spark so i spark the fire the kindlings 
you know, doing its thing, it's burning up. And then I put the logs on the fire and eventually that starts to burn up. The fire represents relationships, the relationship. It starts off with the spark. You're both adding logs. When somebody is not willing to put a log into the fire or add a log to the fire, the relationship dies. Resentment builds up, intimacies, you know, just on the back burner. <laughs> and what I've observed is that if a couple are not willing to share that same goal of keeping that fire lit, that's when it's that's when it's over. You know, if you're share if you don't have shared goals in the future that you want to both achieve and work towards, then the relationship's not going to go anywhere because you're wanting different things. And so in a more mechanical sense, when values misalign, that's when I see relationships break down. When the values change in life, and I know it sounds really simple, but it's that's as simple as it can be, you know. So why are they changing? Is it just a number of factors in each other's lives? It could be their professional. It could be their family. It could be just themselves. There's multi, yeah, it's, it's, it's multi-layered. Um, I don't know why people's values change. I think what happens is when people choose not to grow together and they choose to grow apart, whether they do that consciously or unconsciously, that's, that's going to lead towards the breakup. Um, and I think that people get complacent in relationships. They stop putting in the effort. They stop adding yeah. logs to the fire. Yeah, they stop prioritizing the relationship. It becomes a chore or, you know, a burden. Is it true, Samantha, that once one person has it in their mind, I'm done with this relationship? Like they haven't expressed it yet to the other person because they probably had to just conclude it to confirm it within themselves but once they've told themselves internally that i'm done there's nothing the other person can do is that true or is there salvage moments there that you can come back because I, I trust me and i'm in my 50s my early 50s so i've had my share of relationships and i've i've learned as i've gotten older right and so i i see a lot of younger trades coming at me asking me questions and and i just i don't I, I, I thank them for asking me, but I'm telling them, listen, technically speaking, I've never been successful in a relationship and I really don't know what success in a relationship. That's why I want to speak to you about. Right. So we'll get to that. Um, but I just I, I've heard sometimes and I've had conversations like that. One, once the person internally tells himself I'm tapped out. I'm done. I've given what I can, regardless if we got kids, regardless if we've been married, regardless if we're planning a future together. I am just mentally done and I want out. There's nothing the other person can do or is there something that the other person can do? It's really complex because I would question what is going on for that person and, and this is where we get into um, attachment theory. So some people choose to run away because that's what's easy for them because that's what feels safe. And it's a lot more complex than, you know, the when one person is done internally, then it's over. I think that when you start to learn the skills and the tools that come with having a really successful relationship or a relationship that's thriving, you begin to become aware of the parts of yourself that build walls or barriers towards like bringing you apart from the relationship because we create stories. We create stories in our head of, you know, there's a lot that leads up to that point. A lot of resentment has been built. A lot of 
um, disconnection, a lot of um, assumptions I would imagine have occurred for a person to get to a certain point where they're like, I'm done. And sometimes if we're going to go into attachment theory, which is, it's really complex in itself as well. But sometimes what people do is they reject before they have, before somebody rejects them. Yeah, I've seen that. And so sometimes by saying I'm done, it's really a cry for, can we create more intimacy in this relationship? But they're not ready to admit that to themselves because it's really vulnerable. So what they have is that defense barrier of like, I'm done, I can't do this anymore because I don't want to reveal what I truly desire and want because I expect you to read my mind. And if you can't read my mind, then what's the point of being in a relationship? Like this is all happening subconsciously. Yes. This isn't a, a conscious thought that people are having. It's 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 just so like swift and yeah, that's been my observation. Okay. Now there's obviously a difference between intimacy and physical. And obviously that, I mean, I, I love reading some quotes from certain individuals and, and I think it was Tom Hardy that actually said that if you eliminate mm. the physical aspect of any relationship, that's when you actually truly understand if there is a relationship there, it's easy mm. to be physical with each other and it's new, oh. but if you eliminate, if you eliminate that component, um, then you really question the relationship. Because mm. these days, in my eyes, it just seems like everybody's just willing to be physical right away and kind of hope connection falls somewhere. But it doesn't always yeah. fall, right? How do you look at that? Yeah, I mean, like, okay, <laughs> when we're physically connecting with somebody, there is a lot of hormones running through our system. We've got dopamine, we've got serotonin, we've got oxytocin, all these lovely, beautiful feeling hormones can cause an addiction to that feeling, you know? And so if you're anchored in a a foundation of like physical connection and that tent, that does, that the passion does die eventually, you know, those, those, those hormones start to, um, we don't get that same high as we would at the start of the relationship. Um, what I think happens is that this becomes a currency that physical exchange becomes a currency because of so many reasons like we we're sold the story of like oh I'm the exception to the rule this this is going to be the one person that I you know attract in or, or or hook in because I'm you know so great in bed or whatever the story is like that's what I saw in the movies they made love the first time they met so it's imprinted and it's so deep like we like a lot of movies share that message and or we've had an experience a one-off experience where we've had that where it has evolved into love and then we're chasing that same story oh intimacy is it's so much more than that and when you are able to connect in an emotional way connect in an intellectual way connect in an experiential way a spiritual way and and be met in all those different aspects of what intimacy is, the physical intimacy only gets better. So, I mean, I don't, actually, I like saying these kinds of things anyway. So people in construction, I'm just going to speak for the men, we are some, for the most part, Neanderthals, right? So we have a hard time. Um, and, and I'll say that, yeah, I used to be like that until you start learning, right? Uh, we have a hard time understanding the difference between intimacy and physical and there's a massive difference between the two 
right? So, and and also there's this other pecking thing going on with the men in the construction where they're they don't want to show that intimate side of themselves to, to whether they're coworkers or to just the industry, um, but they want to try to share it somehow to their significant other. Um, but I think that, you know, like everybody's three different people. There's, there's the person that your family knows about. There's a the person that your partner knows about, and then there's you. Um, so it's like, they always want to try to make them the same person, in all three stages. Um, how do you not necessarily coax or convince a, a tradesperson, a tradesman to, share that intimacy or speak that intimacy language without coming across as if he or she's being difficult about it. Like, this is not me. It's like, I got two left feet kind of thing. Okay. Some of the question cut out. Oh, sorry. What part? Yeah, I know we um, lost you briefly there. It, 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 it cut out most of it just when you were sharing. Sorry. <laughs> it just froze again now. Okay, just froze there. Okay, so we just lost you there for a second. Okay, so ba- okay, let cool. me try to get, I'll get a, sh- I guess, tra- guys have a hard time uh, expressing themselves intimately. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that their go-to is that becoming physical is intimacy. And that's what I'm trying to explain, that it's two different things. Mm-hmm. I know what you're asking now. Okay, got it. Okay, so it, it's an actual biological thing. And this is where I believe that we need to celebrate our differences rather than try to change, in your example, men to becoming more like women and women to becoming more like men. You know, we can use, we can flip the example of like women need to be more sexual or whatever. Um, The truth is that women are biologically designed to have an emotional connection and to network and to connect in an intellectual way. Men are biologically designed to procreate. And so when you are connecting physically, that is deep connection for you. I mean, I'd love to hear your opinion. Like, do you have sex for the sake of having sex or is it a way to connect with the person? And if you don't feel comfortable sharing your podcast, but like. No, like like I learned that lesson a long time ago. In my 20s, yeah, sure, I'm a rabbit. You know what I mean? And I Mm -hmm. don't really care. But the thing is, once you start getting older and you start realizing that that was just sex for the sake of sex and I don't remember a single detail about it. So then I've already forgotten it. So then I started realizing that is just physical and that's just basically, um, just doing the act, but there's nothing mm. substance attached to it, right? Once you mm. start realizing that, I realized it in my 30s, all of a sudden you start realizing, no, you wanted something more. You wanted some sort of a connection and you were looking for that connection. And then eventually you did find that connection with somebody. And then that became a longer relationship, a more stable relationship that became a, a relationship of substance. And when you're in the relationship, like, was, did you notice that your priority to connect with your partner was through sex? No. Like, was that? No. Okay, I, what was, yeah. Yeah, so it was more about conversation. I just started realizing that what the other person was thinking and saying and expressing was far mm. more valuable than what they look like, you know, in their birthday suit. It's not so much what they look like in their birthday suit, but it's the act itself of making love and feeling the connection there and like that being a really important piece of the relationship like without that I find that men really struggle in relationships because they're feeling like you can only connect so deeply when you're connecting emotionally and intellectually 
and I feel that what I've observed is that when men don't have that physical connection, it can it can really create um, this harmony in the relationship, disconnection, and that feeling of rejection. Which is, I'm not victimizing men. I'm just saying that there's this is an awareness piece that it's okay to want to make love. Yeah, you know, and I give full permission to men who do want to make love as a way of connecting with their partners. And I think what 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 we're unlearning here, I've experienced this in a lot of women who've worked with me and and and, and people who meet my work have to unlearn the 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 paradigm that men only want one thing. And that's not true. It's not you don't want never. one thing. Yeah. Like you're not having sex to take from a woman. There are men out there, I will say, that are taking, but ultimately when you really love a woman, like you want to connect. So why is you there? You tell me true or false. No, no, I agree with you. A hundred percent, I agree yeah. with you on that. Right? I, I just let me. I want to ask you something else here. How can we be more aware uh, when we're sacrificing too much of ourselves for the happiness of the actual relationship? Mm, that's a really good question. Yeah. So what men and men who are wanting to integrate their masculinity will be challenged with is how holding boundaries for themselves. And, and staying in their center, being able to support the relationship and support their partners in a way where they're not self-sacrificing and martyring themselves. But that happens all the time in almost any relationship, right? Yeah, because we're, you know, happy wife, happy life. And that's ultimately what a man wants is his partner to be happy. But when he's taking responsibility and accountability for the entire, her entire happiness and she's not doing any work, you know, on herself and, and creating happiness within herself and, and and she's nitpicking and pulling him apart and not showing appreciation, that, that that has an effect on a man, you know, that can really impact a man in a significant way. And it, it it's almost repelling because eventually you don't want to show up for the relationship because you're not feeling adored, admired, appreciated. You're feeling like you can't get anything right. And this is a common narrative that I notice with men and I'm I'm – that's my observation as well. Like what I've learned is it takes two to tango. It does. <laughs> it takes two to tango. It does, but it, it takes one to destroy the relationship to move on, to start that process, right? And I just, totally. I, I, I think that, and you could probably agree with me on this. I don't know statistically what the number is or whatever, but it's it's more the woman than it is the man that starts the process of dissolving a relationship or a marriage or what have you. So I guess first I yeah. want to get your thoughts on that. Why is it that? Like I've got my theories behind it, but why is it that? You, you met each other, you started a life, you started a family, you uh, got a house, you started creating this whole, our life story. And then at one point in the, in the marriage or whatever it is, I want to get out of this marriage relationship. I want out and that's it. And then she's made up her mind. And most parts, most of the time, it's the woman that's doing it, not the man that's doing it. The man wants to still provide. The man still wants to come home. The man wants to, that's his only sign of peace, that, that, that home, that family. And yet she wants to take that away. So then she wants to be happier, I guess, because something's not fulfilled in her life. Yeah. So I get this a lot. I've had, I've worked with so many people on this, especially men who are older and have lost themselves in some ways in the relationship. So men, and I'm being heteronormative here, but men 
when you're providing and you're protecting for your family, your needs are being met. Yes. Like that's your priority. You yes. want your family to be provided for and you'll go out and work your 12 hour days. You'll come home exhausted. You won't have a lot of energy for family time or even when you are, it's not at your most highest potential because you're exhausted. You're working hard to make the money to provide for the family. Yep. Where she's feeling unmet is most often emotionally because she's potentially at home with the kids or she's also working and then being mom and then feeling because her hormones are out of balance. And the nine-to-five structure of work isn't designed to support a female body. Like that's what causes a woman's hormones to grow out of balance. So her testosterone is higher and her estrogen is lower and her cortisol is higher. And so she's like feeling overwhelmed, overworked and exhausted. And there's some tools that, you know, very simple tools that men can use to support a woman emotionally that will help her estrogen rebalance and to reduce her cortisol. And I'm happy to share them with you if you Please. want to know. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. So essentially like when a woman is overworked and stressed, like she's going to do and say things that she doesn't necessarily mean. And that's when she'll loop because she's dysregulated. Her nervous system is like, you know, in fight or flight and listening to her vent without problem solving and just allowing her to speak and validating her in that. And there's ways to do that will help just that talking. And it's not your responsibility as a man. In fact, I always encourage women to go to talk therapy and, 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 you know, hire somebody to support them in, in, in venting essentially, but there's, you know, you're in a relationship, so you can't always have that available, but that's something that I really encourage men to do. And, Another really great tool is to hug for longer than 20 seconds because physical contact and physical touch increases oxytocin, which helps reduce cortisol, which then replenishes, the restores the balance of estrogen. And unfortunately, like there's been a lot of, there's been a lot that has shifted culturally, especially with feminism where like we've, you know, there's been women rising up and wanting to be met and matched with men and, and there's this whole thing around equality, but we're not equally, we're not, we're not designed to be men. Like our bodies are not designed to be men and men are not designed to be women. So you're, that's what I feel like happens and causes relationships to break down because women have this expectation to be emotionally met and men have this expectation to be appreciated for what they're providing. And there's this like unspoken space in the relationship because there's no awareness of this, right? We're not educated on these things. We're kind of like left to our own devices and we're like kind of thrown in the deep end and we just mimic what our parents did. And, you know, we all know what that relationship's like. I'm I'm not aware of (laughs) many people who have, observed a healthy relationship with their parents so they stuck it out it was i mean i'm of a different generation that they just stuck that out but then we're talking about were they happy 
there was moments of happiness, you know, and that's how you just look at it. But I guess at some at some point in your life, you just this is the person I'm going to spend the rest of my days with because I passed mm. the point of no return. That doesn't exist yeah. today, right? That today it's like well, you're talking about okay, my my generation immigrated to Canada in the late '70s, so they would have probably met one person from one village. Mm-hmm. That's who your mate was for life, and that's who it is. I could walk outside and meet somebody new tomorrow if I wanted to. That's just like how it is today. So it's different. So we have a lot of options, which brings up that other. And I completely agree with whatever you, all the stuff that you were talking about regarding the two men and a woman in a relationship and what they're expecting and what's happening. I agree with all of that. That's exactly what's mm-hmm. going on. I think a lot of men in the industry have a hard time understanding that in general. They just don't, mm-hmm. maybe they don't see it when they come home. But the thing is, maybe they're not supposed to be looking. Maybe they're supposed to be f- trying to feel it. So ideally, right, for a man to restore balance in his hormones, like when he comes home, being greeted by his partner with like, you know, happiness and joy and like, wow, I'm so happy to see you. I miss you, whatever. That does a lot for a man. Does. Like that does a lot to come home to a woman who's happy to see you. Like, wow. And then there's this point where, you know, he needs to integrate from coming out of work into home life. And that takes maybe 20 minutes. And that's a really important window of time that a man needs to just, men need space to replenish testosterone. And that can really trigger a woman. (laughs) Like, what do you mean you need space? (laughs) Um, But if he doesn't do that, then he's not going to be able to show up to his highest potential. But I think the most important thing that, a woman really truly needs is yet to be felt and all that sort of stuff's great, but presence. Yes. Presence is like the ultimate, like penetrate her with your presence. Be present with the kids, be present with her when she's speaking, be present with her, be present with the family when you're having dinner, be present. Like don't be distracted with TV or your phone or anything like that. If you truly want her to be happy, if you don't give a shit about her happiness, if you don't give a crap about your family, then do all the things that you want to do. That's fine. But if you want to be a man of integrity and show up for your family, the way you say you want to, by providing and protecting, provide with your presence. I love that. I love that a lot. And just by the way, there's a lot of guys that will actually sit in their trucks or vans before they enter the home, just to kind of clear their mind because depending on what happened at the at the job site or what happened during the day or whatever the course is right they want that peace of mind before they enter right yeah Uh, because men don't want to bring their problems home then you don't want to do that you don't want to put that on your family and you won't and then it just becomes worse and then you don't want to start the next day bringing it to the job site and then starting all over again now we got compounding going on during the course of the week this is why men's work is really important. So you have a safe space when you're around other men and, and, and able to express and share these things. What are some morals and values that you were raised with from your parents' generation that you believe should be withheld in today's dating world? We actually, morals and values. Yeah, so sorry, we, we talked talk, talk briefly about our, our parents' generation and how it was slightly different, probably more different from mine than yours. But I guess what was the morals and and values of theirs versus what's going on today? Because I think that there aren't any that much morals and values today Mm. based on certain date naps. Right. Yeah. This is a good question. There's no, there's no courting. There's no, 
yeah. go back I go back to conversations. I don't know why. The older I got, the more interested I was in 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 I was more fascinated with what she had to express. Right? I just I just I I wanted to know what was inside in her head thinking, okay, so what what is her opinion about this? What is her opinion about that? What does she think about that? What does she like, dislike, whatever? I wanted the communication, the conversation far more than jumping into the sack. But that's the older yeah. generation, right? You know, I hear that. Um, yeah, I definitely feel like I read this book when I was eighteen. I've been on this on this trip for a long time, <laughs> um, but I read my first dating book when I was eighteen, and it was called "Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man" by Steve Harvey. Yeah, amazing book. Yeah, and he talks about the three month rule. And I practice it in my early 20s, but then I had my slut era. And now I'm in my 30s and I'm like, wow, I, I really want to come back to those foundational pieces of like waiting before I, I open my body up to a human, you know, and allowing myself to get to know somebody before we get intimate in that way. And th- th- I guess the morals and values, are, they've already, they've always been there. But they have been lost through shows like Sex in the City where, like, we're, you know, we're seeing a woman who's, like, Samantha Jones, that character, and she's, like, I'm sexually liberated and I'll have sex with as many men as I like. And the whole show is based on women's sexual liberation. And, you know, we live in a world where the sex industry is, like, a multi-billion dollar industry. Pornography, OnlyFans, all these different avenues are reflecting, like, really um, – certain standard of relating I want to bring back the um chivalry I, I, I love when a man takes me out and is able to pay for me not because I can't do that myself but because of what it represents that he wants to provide an evening of like an experience for me and I really struggle to meet men that are, are willing to do that a lot of men just want to go Dutch they or- do- really some men do, yeah. I don't even care about the situation, but I mean, I hate modern day cars. And okay, for one yeah. reason I hate modern day cars is mm. because they all come with automatic locks. Mm. You know where I'm going with this? You're probably too young kind to of. know what I'm going with this. So I'm I'm mm. always been a gentleman where I'll always open up the passenger side door to let her in and close the door. And then I cautiously look to see if she unlocks the driver's door Mm. so it's a little thing it's a simple thing but it goes back to chivalry right yeah and so you can't do that in modern day cars that's the problem about it right but i mean a lot of guys that are in the industry and they do have older classic cars or whatever they have that opportunity to experience that but most of them are married and have kids and they they're beyond that they're dealing with the intimacy and physical side of things right mm-hmm. so i i like what you're saying about how you you would want all that stuff to return like gentlemen be gentlemen ladies be ladies and it's just get to know each other that way before you start getting physical but in today you're fighting today's digital app age and sexual apps and dating apps and all kinds of crap right you're fighting all that mm-hmm. stuff so how do we navigate ourselves through there whether you're in a relationship or not like you still have guys that are turning to that because I guess there's something empty in their their relationship, so they turn to that. Hmm. Yeah, I think that like being distracted with the dopamine hit that we get from these apps is a lot easier than sitting with our shit 
Can I say that? Oh, totally. Yeah. Just show we can say whatever we want in different languages too. We enjoy it. Um, Great. But it goes back to the beginning where you were, you were talking about how it was easier to just um, walk away from it. Right. So yeah, guys will just to- walk away about confronting it. Sorry, I interrupt you. Yeah, no, I was talking to a friend about this years ago when he met his match on Tinder and now they're engaged, but um, very rare to hear those stories. But he was sharing with me, he's like, I noticed that when I was on a date, I don't use online apps, I don't like them um, for this reason because it's just like so consuming and so distracting. But he was saying like, I noticed that when I was on this date, I was thinking about Sarah or Jessica or, you know, Monica, whoever. And, you know, it's just this swipe, swipe, swipe. It's like fast fashion, fast food, fast dating. If I'm not interested in somebody because something really annoys me, then I can go to the next one. Um, And I don't like it. <laughs> no, I hate it. I think I, I, I listen, I enjoy having conversations with the 20 somethings that are in the industry and listening mm. to what they say. But the unfortunate thing, they also point out that, they're in their mid twenties, late twenties or whatever, early thirties, and they're dating and they're on these apps and we'll just keep on pointing the finger at Tinder or whatever it is. And the women of their age group are not looking for them. They keep telling me that the women of their age group are looking for me. And I'm Mm. like, and that's another part of the whole dating side of the world. Right. And, and that's a reality though. They say that. So they, they can't find a significant other because the pool is smaller and these particular women are looking for these particular men. And it's not them. Mm. So that's another reason why I hate those apps, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like hearing you speak to this, I'm like, what can we do now that, you know, meeting where we're at? Because we're evolving. Like we can't resist that. Change is inevitable. Like we are in a position now where like chivalry, how it used to look, isn't current. However, how can we integrate that sort of that sort of level of chivalry in today's day and age like it may not be opening the door or anything like that it may look different to that it might be like um I I don't know like it could be anything this is where we get to be creative you know and that's we get to create new rules instead of going with what was it's kind of simple I mean opening up a door for somebody else is just really about doing something that's not about you it's about them Mm. whether it's small or where or what the situation is pulling a chair out you know, like whatever, all these little, mm. little tiny things. There's there's a proper way that you should enter into a restaurant, into a bar. There's a proper way. And, and any man who's listening right now, if you are not walking along the curbside of a sidewalk while you're walking yes. a lady, then you're doing something wrong. Right. There's there's mm. a there's a there's, there's a whole understanding behind that. So just be aware of that. Mm. And if she wants to flip and she only wants to hold the purse on that side, then you figure out how you still end up curbside. That's all it is. Like, mm-hmm. so you, there's all these little things and you just got in the back of your head instead of thinking about Sarah or Jessica and you're swiping right or whatever it is. You should be thinking about all the little things in the course of a day that I can do that are selfless and more for them. It gets really difficult though because then you're met with a woman who's like, I don't need a man. I don't need you to do this. It's going to happen. The devil shows up whenever they want, right? So it's yeah. it's going to happen and maybe it's happening to test you, right? I've also told Absolutely. I've told these guys to do digital cleanses. And they are doing that when they've gotten so tired of Tinder. They're like, I've had enough of this. I've had enough of this. I'm fed up with it. So I'm just going to do mm. digital. So they'll delete the app and then they'll ignore it. But then just like a druggie, they'll just go right back to it. They'll start the app all over again after a month or yeah. two. And then they'll go back in to see, oh, who's still here and who's not here and who's new here. And then go down that whole rabbit hole again, right? 
My mum shared this um sit like this comedy stand up thing once of this man talking about what it was like in the eighties, like walking up to a woman at the bar and talking to her, like physically talking to her and asking for a number and getting the napkin and writing it down and then going home and being like, is that a six or an eight? You know, because some water got on it. Like that sort of, but like where, where is the courage to, to walk up to a woman and ask her out on a date or to anyone, mostly in a heterosexual kind of dynamic, but like, even doing that, that in itself takes a lot of balls. And if you don't have the courage to to assert yourself in that, that's where your work is. That's what you need to be working on is building up that, that courage and that confidence. You're not going to get that by just sitting there and reading a book about how to be more confident or how to do this or listening to a podcast. Like you do it through the action, like yeah. actually going to do it. How about getting the courage to actually go out or go home or meet up? with whoever's in your life and ask them out again. Yeah. Treat it as if you're asking her out for the first time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm a big advocate for date nights. If you're not having a date night once a week and nourishing your relationship and putting that time and energy and prioritizing your relationship, you're going to be walking towards the thing that we spoke about at the beginning of this relationship, which is a relationship breakdown, essentially. Like you can't just expect that fire to stay lit without putting in any attention to it. Samantha, mm-hmm. let me ask you, what are the top three reasons why people walk away from relationships versus fighting to keep them that you can think of? That I can think of, yeah. I was like, should we ch- ask chat GPT? <laughs> top three reasons. <laughs> chat GPT has never been on a date, so I wouldn't trust it. I know. <laughs> So top three reasons why people walk away. Versus fighting for, yeah, resentment for sure. Resentment. Um, Different long-term goals. People change over time. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah, but yes. And like you're either growing together or you're growing apart. And the third one would be, Top three reasons why people walk away. Like, I know it sounds really simple, but misunderstanding and miscommunication, like really not listening to each other and hearing each other. Misinterpretation? Yeah. People misinterpret each other in relationships because they're miscommunicating. Yeah. It just, it leads to a bigger, I guess, fault or what have you uh when married Mm -hmm. couples come to a point where they are no longer in love and they have a little a little left left sorry a little love left for each other what is the best advice to get them on the road to repairing that damage that has been caused through the words and those actions because like i said it compounds over time sometimes either the man or the woman doesn't want to confront it so you don't want to sit it because life is just beating them down and you know, you could have couples with families and then you got to bring this child to this event, that event, whatever. And now you never confront your relationship, your marriage, but now you have to. And you're asking me what words of advice would I give people who have that little love left in their relationship? A tiny bit left. What's, what's, how can we repair that damage that's been caused by those words and those actions? 
Go and drink some pina coladas and get caught in the rain. <laughs> That'll work, right? What I would what I would suggest is having a look at what you guys, you know, what is that little love left? What is that like flame that is holding your relationship together? And really work towards forgiving each other, letting go of your resentment and coming back to love, like coming back to love. Like what does love feel like for you? Remembering what it was like in the relationship, remembering what it was like when you first started out. Do you, um, Samantha, do you believe in, in the three loves in, in anyone's life? Yeah, I yeah, I do in some ways, but I don't, I, I don't like being dogmatic about these things because I think relationships are so unique. You know, yes. some people don't have three. Some people don't even have one great love in their life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. I just feel like there, I think there's more than three, but it depends on what you, you do. As long as you're not hurting somebody else, but if it just works out that way, there could be a fourth, there could be a fifth or whatever. And you can have multiple loves at the one time, you know, like our capacity to love is everyone's unique and individual. There are no rules to relationships. There's skills, there's tools, absolutely. But any combination of people will have their own set of agreements, their own set of understandings and commitments. And I think that when we start comparing ourselves to other people's relationships, what we see on movies, what we hear in a book, what we read in a book, what we hear from our friends about like, oh, he shouldn't be doing this or she shouldn't be doing that. That's when we lose like, the that that's when we open and leak our container and the container being the relationship like it's what you two share that's that's the foundation that's where it begins you two and that's where it ends are you two create sorry yeah are people actually you, sorry go 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 ahead go ahead i'll keep it i'll keep my thought go ahead um I can't remember. Sorry, you lost it. I'm sorry. I think I said it. I think I yeah. said it. It's all good. No, so it, it, isn't there some truth, though, that if you are already in a relationship and you're in love with that person, you do have that connection. But for whatever reason, life has just thrown something else at you. And now you fall in love with somebody else. Do you question the first love and thinking, OK, maybe that wasn't truly love because I would never have met this second love? I mean, that's such a, it's a very broad question, right? Like it's, it's, it's so unique to each person's experience. I'm an advocate for, I will say one thing. I'm an advocate for working it out and working at the relationship before walking away because it's easy to walk away. It's so easy to walk away. It's hard to face our, it's hard to face our staff and to let go of our walls. Um, what I see as a really healthy relationship is like when you're in partnership with somebody, when you're in life partnership with somebody, that person becomes your best friend. So to say you and I, for the lack of a better example, to say you and I were in a, in a partnership together and then I met a man and I was like, wow, he's just, you know, taken me, taken my breath away or I'm I'm feeling met in this way. I want to be in a relationship where you and I have the trust that if I share my truth with you, you can handle it. And if you share your truth with me, I can handle it without taking it personally because your experience in life is so unique and so valid to you. And my experience in life is also valid for me. And I'm allowed to have these feelings and these emotions and you're allowed to have your own as well, your own desires and all those things. When you have a really solid foundation of relationship, 
and you can come to your partner and express, hey, I've I've met this person, these feelings are coming up for me. How would you feel about me connecting with them over coffee? I just like there's this curiosity. I'm I'm loyal to you. Then you have the conversation of like, these are the boundaries, these are the agreements, these are the things like, yeah, have a coffee, no intimacy, no kissing, no that, whatever, right? Sometimes just naming the thing and then killing the curiosity by going to see what what's actually there is all that needs to happen. Because the forbidden fruit, we want what we can't have. And that just gets, that desire gets stronger and stronger and stronger because desire is in not having, it's in the wanting. That's, you know. Um, but you're, so, you're, you're actually inviting temptation into your life, possibly. I agree with you that if handling that curiosity and going there and just having a coffee and then realizing, no, hang on a sec, the person I have in my life right now, they're amazing. But then you're also bringing temptation to that table date as well too because they could probably think well that person in my life is not as good as this person i think is Mm. and that's where you question your values on whether or not you are loyal to your relationship and committed to your relationship you know and like yeah that temptation might be there but do you trust yourself to to, you know, explore the deeper underlying thing. So what is it that this person who is offering the temptation, what are they giving you that you desire from your relationship? I know. I see what you're saying. I, I, I see mm-hmm. what you're saying, but we're also dealing with a generation. Okay. So it's, it's a different question to ask of me because I would like mm-hmm. to think that I have values and morals. Um, and then yep, yep, yep. for a person of today in their twenties, mm. I think that they might be going home saying, listen, I'm leaving and that's it. And goes from there. I'm generalizing. Right. But I'm just saying, I think that yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. will give into temptation because maybe that fruit is a little better or they assume it is. That's a possibility. And that is telling you everything you need to know. If you're with somebody who's not willing to stay committed to the relationship as you are, like you can't control somebody else's, but having it open and consciously spoken about, what hurts more is the lie. Yeah. The cheating doesn't hurt. It's the lie that hurts. The cheating does hurt to some extent, but you can't come back from, you can come back from being truthful more likely than you can from the cheating and the lying. I'd agree. So if, yeah, 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 no, I totally agree. So I guess it's like, this is where I, we're in a new kind of edge of, of relating where there's, you know, polyamory and there's, or non-monogamy and there's all these different styles of relating that can create um, an opportunity for growth and awareness rather than it seeing as temptation. Like this is an opportunity to better understand ourselves and each other and to expand our capacity to love. I got more questions there for, for you, Samantha. How long, um, how long should you hold space for another person who you care about? but who is not meeting your needs and does not have the same long-term life goals. When's the white flag come up? How long should you hold space? Yeah. As long as you are not self-abandoning, like don't hold space at your own detriment if you are putting in all the effort in the relationship and that person's not showing up 
it's a it's an internal compass that you need to check in with yourself like everyone has a different capacity everyone has different patients not everyone's the same so if it's having a negative impact on your mental health your well-being that's when you really need to check in with yourself and and question why am I smartering myself to this relationship and losing myself because I think what people are more scared about is losing themselves. Yeah, I agree. I do want to say something about a question you asked me before about those, the couple that have a little love left. Yeah. The advice that I have for them is to take space. So give themselves space. Give yourself space from the relationship because the distance, distance does make the heart grow fonder. Okay. I could see that. In that, in that space, you will come to realize some of your own stuff and taking that space to take full responsibility for your contribution, your participation of the relationship breakdown. It's not about sitting there and being like nitpicking your partner and being like they're to blame. It's about really taking the time to reflect on your behavior and how you have not added logs to the fire and what you can do to improve yourself in the relationship. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. I've seen cool. guys take space. The only problem is that they went on a sexual rampage. That was the problem. They just had it. At, they saw it more as an opportunity and it, they didn't really okay. take space. That's a different situation at that point, right? We're having like a Ross moment. We were on a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, if that feels in integrity, like it always comes back down to integrity. If you really like love your partner and love your relationship you wouldn't. and you're a man of integrity, you wouldn't, I know you wouldn't do that. I know. So I actually want to bring back because it's, it's great that you brought up books and movies and all these love stories and they're always starting off with conflict. And sometimes it starts off with the other woman or whatever. I become the other woman. I am the other woman or whatever. So I want to ask you how many relationships on average that begin with an affair actually last? Do they not Oof. fizzle away because of that excitement is no longer there? Oh, I, look, I love this question. I don't know the statistics, but I do notice that people who start off, <laughs> this is something I grew up with actually that my mom would say to me growing up. It was what starts in an affair ends in an affair. It does. And it's, it stuck with me because I was like, okay, the dynamic that's playing out here is that a need is not being met in the relationship, so now it's being outsourced. And, and one so day there's, will... a, there's a pattern. Yes. There's a pattern here. So what would tend to happen is that if you're not being met in your next relationship, you're probably going to be outsourcing it again until you confront the part within yourself and the need that you need to actually take responsibility for and fulfill within yourself. Um, I also agree the temptation dies, that forbidden fruit, that excitement, that lust, that, that fizzles out. It does. It does. It can't sustain itself. Lust is sneaky. Lust is such a great feeling. It's so, so yummy. But if you can create a relationship where you are feeling lust, love, and friendship all in one, I feel like that's a, that's a successful relationship. So how does one do that? How does one maintain that? I can understand that for the first few years, but 20 years, 30 years? 
Well, okay. My clients, I have these clients who have we're finishing up today actually, but they've been married for nine years. They're the lust kind of fizzled out. They hired me to reignite that that spark. And I'm I'm not trying to plug myself in here. I really want to create like yeah. offer offer your audience um some useful feedback here. But if your car stops working in a certain way, if the motor goes out, if the oil's not working or whatever, what do you do to make that car run more efficiently and better? You call an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> You call a mechanic. No, in to you come don't call an Uber. Car, right? yes, yeah, you fix the car. That's what you do. Yes. Yeah. So you need to learn the skills. Like if you don't learn the skills on how to create that excitement again, and like I've been giving them homework each week on like, all right, now we're going to enter some kinky spaces of you becoming more dominant and she becoming more submissive. And now they have a sex love cave that they've created where they just make love. And it's these sorts of things that you need to expand on because that's what I mean when it comes to putting prior, like putting a relation, making a relationship a priority. It's like prioritizing learning the skills and the tools to enhance the intimacy and maintain it. The lust, the lust is able, you, you, I've seen it. I've seen that it's possible. We need to stop thinking that like the passion dies. The passion doesn't die. We stop putting effort in the relationship. That's what happens. You're not present. Like you said earlier. Yeah. You're not present. Present. Oh my God. If you can be present with her in the bedroom, holy crap. Like, <laughs> then you would never that? get to this point. You would never get to this point where, and you're constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you were to give a woman an hour long massage, sensual slow massage by tracing every single inch of her body and not touching her genital area, you want to get her in a state where she's begging for it and that's also going to create relaxation in the body it's going to be really hard for a lot of women who are more in their masculine because they're probably feeling like it's hard for them to like let go and just drop into their feminine and to kind of relax because they're feeling so uptight and intense because of all their hormonal shifts but if you can even give a 30-minute massage and create ritual around your intimacy and start to bring in toys or start to bring in um different energetic practices like becoming more dominant or what what creating polarity in the bedroom these are some ways that you can really enhance the pleasure that you experience and create that lustful feeling you know lust is that like lots of dopamine and all of that and if you have your woman lying there on the bed feeling completely open because she's just received this massage from you and she's also receiving your presence there's a lot that can happen in between the sheets that will yeah there's no words there's no no i agree it totally would work Mm. the massage also works on the men too absolutely i think and it's it's goes both ways and i think that like when a woman can really worship a man's body and worship his cock if i can say that you can say any word on this show great when a man when a woman can really worship a man's cock and like give it the love and attention and tease him and tantalize him and like really work at building up the energy within him as well like it goes both ways this is why creating ritual setting aside a couple of hours of being with each other's bodies learning how to amplify the pleasure learning how to 
dance with each other and building up the pleasure. It's not about reaching a goal of climax and, you know, having an orgasm. That's amazing and that can happen. But when you're riding the edge in that wave and you're co-creating this this space of making love, it, it becomes euphoric and it becomes cosmic if even. Like I've had orgasms in that sort of by creating and cultivating that energy where I've literally I've just like left my body, I've transcended, like I've just, you know, being fucked into oblivion basically. <laughs> that's what you want to do. You want to fuck her into oblivion and, and exchange that. I would say you want to fuck both each other into oblivion. It, it, yeah. Each other into oblivion. Yeah, exactly. I agree. So what are the top five healthiest and most effective ways to heal a broken heart? And if obviously you fall in love, then you're going to have it broken one day. And if you haven't had a broken heart, then you've never been in love. But everybody feels <laughs> that pain one day. And sometimes they've, Feel it more than once. How to heal a broken heart. Mm. I don't think time does that. Mm. No, I, I agree. I think it's really important to feel. You have to feel to heal. There are people who fuck their pain away. There are people who drink their pain away. There's multiple ways that we can, you know, cope with the pain. But the ultimate way to heal a broken heart is to feel the depths of the pain. Allow yourself to grieve. Take Allow pain. yourself to, pardon? Take the pain. Take the pain. Just take it. Don't try to just take it. Like we've talked about this quite a bit on the show, how people want to avoid. They just, it's easier yeah. to walk away, avoid the pain. No, when it comes to broken things, take the pain. Take the pain. And honestly, it's not as bad as you think it is. The mind is designed to keep us, you know, safe and protected, whatever. But like, feeling the pain yeah it hurts you might be sitting on your bedroom floor crying for hours but on the other side of that it is so worth it we need to welcome our pain we can't disorient it because if we're not willing to feel the depths of our pain we're not going to ever be able to really feel the peaks of our pleasure it's actually a great way to look at it because if you can imagine how painful it will be then you could probably Think to yourself how good it will be when it comes back in with somebody else. Mm. Yeah. Um, one, one of the best things, other lessons that I've learned through my dating history is um, being alone after breakups. Mm. Whether yeah. they left or I left or whatever, that, that alone time is very valuable. Mm. And I wanted to ask you how much time... Like, what is a healthy amount of time to spend alone? I, I noticed that, first of all, I would say that men spend alone a lot more than women spend alone. Mm, mm, mm. It's just how it is. A woman could actually break up and then the very next day be on a new date and go on. And a man, most likely not. He may, mm. he may go out there and just look for physical and that's it and just get that out of the way, his system. But there's no connection mm. there. He's just doing it for the purpose of just doing it. And it's forgetting. He's forgetting it the moment he even started it. But I'm just mm. saying that I think more men have alone time than women do. But how much time is a good amount of time to just be alone after? 
being alone enough in an yeah but be alone but don't be alone to the point where you become cynical yeah you don't want to change <laughs> you know like yeah so for me when i've had my great love um when we went through our we went through an uncoupling process and it was beautiful um i spent and and we broke up on new years of 2020 2019 to 2020 i spent 2020 being celibate I spent it alone and it was the most healing experience of my life. And I still grieve that relationship three years later. You know, I, I grieve what we created and what we shared. And I think that's really, and I still grieve other relationships before him. And I think that's important to acknowledge that like, you're never going to be feeling whole again and like feeling great. And it's never going to have a, an impact on you, but you'll know when you're truly ready to open up your heart. And you can't put a time on that. It's so individual and unique. It's it's yeah. It depends on one who. It depends on what kind of person you are, what your life is, what you're going through in life, professionally, mm. personally, or what have you. There's a bunch of factors that are going to factor that in. But um, I think some alone time you have to decide on what that amount is. Yeah. Definitely do yeah. not go and just rebound or start dating like just to fill that void. That's just emptiness that you're it's not going to do anything for you. Yeah, I agree. I had a friend go through this with a partner. He emotionally cheated on her. And then as soon as they broke up, he, he got married basically three months later. Wow. And you know, I'm who I am. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, yep, that's a really big commitment to a rebound. <laughs> um, He's and still married. it may work out. Really? It may work out. I don't. I don't see it working out, but that's my <laughs> I was, opinion. I was just going to say, I don't think it's going to work out. My, my money's on saying that it's not going to work. No, out. he's really young and I see his youth and I see, you know, the lessons he's learning and the mistakes he's making. He's in his 20s and that's okay. Like he's allowed to make those mistakes. He's allowed to rebound. He's allowed to do those things, you know, and sometimes we need to learn the hard way and that's his case. And sometimes we can learn from not doing that we can learn from choosing ourselves um what advice would you give to people who are at a crossroad in their relationship and are only staying together because they are afraid they won't find somebody more suitable for them plenty of relationships out there that are actually described uh, exactly like that so mm, it just feels really sticky even hearing you say that you know like and I have people working with me who are in similar positions to that. And, you know, that in itself is a huge call of self-inquiry. What are you afraid of in being alone? Mm -hmm. Like, why are you choosing to settle? Why are you choosing to lower your standards? Why are you choosing to override your boundaries and what you want in a relationship? And have a think about the impact that is having on the relationship you have with yourself because I guarantee you don't trust yourself. You don't have a relationship with yourself at all. You're fearful of developing a relationship with yourself. You're avoiding it. You're wanting to avoid something. And that's something to really question and look at. I know that sounds really tough as well, but it's true though. I see it happen. Yeah. yeah it's very, very true. Yeah. What, what I, I'm just curious how, um, what if you have so many differences? Like what if you just have difference in religious beliefs and just political opinions and there's, but there's still a connection. You guys communicate really well and 
you have a connection, but you have these differences in other situations, other dynamics of life. Is that just a recipe for disaster and eventually, or is it, are those things workable? Okay. So this is a really good question. Uh, having these differences leading to resentment and are you attached to making your partner think and believe and feel the same way you do? Or are you happy to accept them as they are? If you're willing to accept them as they are, if you're okay with having differences of opinion in religion and, and politics and you want to celebrate those differences, then there's, it's an awesome space to learn from each other and to expand your awareness, right? Exactly. And if you can't do that because it is creating resentment, then just be friends. <laughs> That's my suggestion. No, just become a, friends. It's a great suggestion. Um What are the most common complaints that a woman makes about what turns her off about the man that she once found attractive? Turn off complaints. At some point she found them attractive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so. And that happens to both sides too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At some point she found attractive. Do you have an example of of a of a thing like that she might have found attractive and now complains about know. it he comes home and he just throws all of his clothing and she picks it up and it smells like him or something like that that's kind of cute and adorable in the beginning once you start living together and everything's all good it's like it's annoying that you keep on leaving the laundry on the floor right mm, yeah okay <laughs> i don't know that's great. the first one that can come to my mind it's a great example it's a great example I guess, so this is women tend to people please, right? Yes. We tend to nurture and we tend to abandon ourselves and martyr ourselves because we're like, oh, I want to be really relaxed and chill and like I'm not a high maintenance kind of woman and that's all right. That's really cute. I love picking up your laundry and, you know, two or three years later now I feel like your mother and <laughs> I have so much resentment towards you because what I make that mean is that you don't care about me. You put your laundry on the floor, I've asked you to pick it up, and you don't care about me. Do you want to know why? Why? This happens. Uh, it's kind of going off. I'm not answering a question directly, but what in this scenario, what happens is that um, for a man, you're looking at the dirty laundry on the floor and you're like, this isn't really a big priority for me. Like laundry, couldn't give a shit about it. It's not even a thing, like whatever. Like it's not a big deal until it's linked to her happiness. When she's like, okay, when you don't pick up the laundry from the floor, it makes me feel this way. When you do it, I feel ecstatic. I love it. It makes me feel more relaxed. When you can connect that task with her well-being, you're going to have a lot more motivation to bump that up to your priority priority list, right? Because men are single focus. You like having a list of priorities. Now, coming back to your question, um, what happens is <laughs> resentment. So do you know, like uh, resentment is feeling an injustice in the relationship, right? So if she's putting in more effort in one way, which is potentially domestic duties, she's going to feel an injustice in that and start to compare what you're putting in in that same way in the domestic duties. She's not seeing what else you're doing to provide for the relationship or provide for the family. And that, I think, is what creates the turnoff. It's not so much the thing itself, it's the resentment. I agree. It's actually a really good answer. 
Thanks. We've been talking a lot about women. Well, not a lot, but women leaving the relationship or women not feeling um, in the relationship. But what are the most common reasons for a man to fall out of love with a woman? Oh, yeah. The most common reason for a man to fall out of love with a woman is where he doesn't feel appreciated and admired or acknowledged. And this will often happen when, you know, if we're looking at, I know you've got construction. So if there's another woman in the construction site who is giving a man that kind of attention where her eyes are lit up and she's like really appreciative of all the work he's doing around the, around the construction yard and he's offering support in this way and he's getting that recognition and acknowledgement, that is going to create, you get, you've got this like light system, you know, this green light system, men have this thing where like that, that really helps you feel good about yourself. It make, gives you the warm and fuzzy feeling, right? <laughs> when you're not getting that at home, you start to feel like reject, reject. And I'm generalizing here with a lot of the things I've been speaking about is very general. Yeah. So it may not resonate, but that's when you start to feel like, well, what's the point of being in this relationship where I don't actually feel admired? I'm being emasculated every day. I'm choosing to be because I'm agreeing to this, but you know, that's what I think pushes a man away. I like that. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, what is the best way couples can navigate through unexpected changes? Like when one experiences grief from uh, loss of a loved one, for example, therefore causing them to change drastically as a person for a short period of time or potentially long term. So life happens. Mm. And then all of a sudden, as we get older, we lose loved ones. And it could change mm. people. And I guess if you don't see the support from your significant, your partner, that could change the dynamic of the relationship as a result. Mm. Then the person changes. So there's a lot of, com like a lot of things happening there. Mm. So your question is what advice I have for people who are experiencing that? They're experiencing grief and loss of a loved one. And then, you know, it could be a short period of time. It could be a long period of time, but it is going to take some effect on the relationship so how mm. does how does your partner how should your partner be that support for that person during those times it's funny it's actually this is being brought up because i've got a good friend who's actually just he started the divorce proceedings right now because he lost his dad and all of a sudden he his wife wasn't as supportive as if she his he thought she was going to be and it affected mm. their marriage and now it's gotten to the point where they did therapy. They've gone through that. And it's eventually, no, I'm done. We're tapped out. And we, they both agreed. Now we're going to get a divorce, right? So they've been married 25 mm -hmm. plus years. But I, I think that the death of his father was kind of the tipping point. He finally mm -hmm. realized that she's not really the woman that's supposed to be in my life because the way she was reacting to his death or lack of support, I suppose. Mm. It's such an intricate, intricate, like life you have to remember that like if you're losing a, a loved one, that grief isn't just impacting you, it's impacting the person you're relating with. It might trigger them. They may have lost someone in the past and so therefore they've got their own stuff. And some people don't know how to show up for us. So sometimes it's really important to express our needs and to ask somebody, do you, do you, you know, our partners, like can you meet me in this? Or can you help me can you support me in this way I need this from you and if they're not able to it's like 
it's really hard to not take that personally because it is your partner. Um, do I think it's a, a cause and reason for divorce or separation? Absolutely not. Like we have to remember that we're humans. We're human beings. We, we all have different intricate triggers and 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 having like the patience with yourself to grieve as well as the patience with others. People don't know how to handle death. It's such an avoided topic. People really don't know how to handle death. We don't know how to handle death when we're when we're experiencing that loss. So we're trying to hold ourselves and we need to be held, but we don't know how we need to be held most of the time. So I'm very curious with your friend, like where did he feel unmet with his partner? How did she not meet him? She just wasn't there at all. When he asked for help or support, she just threw herself back into her work or just placed herself in different situations. So she wasn't there, but all she really had to do is just be there, like just be there, not necessarily voice or express or anything like that, but just be there. So then he knew that that support was still in his life. And he probably just turned around and realized there's nobody now. I don't have anybody now. So then he just, yeah. thought, well, here that, that was the starting process of the therapy. And then the therapy just eventually led to divorce. Um, not like always therapy sometimes does mm. go the other way around. I can vouch for that. I had clients who were on the brink of divorce and now they're having an incredible relationship. Um, okay. With this situation, like she's gone to work, she's thrown herself in all these things to avoid and distract, right? Yeah. It'd be really hard to ask a question when you're in it, but it is as simple as asking why, why are you, why are you and like she that? may not even know, she may be just avoiding it altogether. I don't know. I just need to work. I need to do this. I need to provide. I need to whatever. It's it's mm, communication. Communicating what's going on for yourself and for your partner is important in those situations. Based on your experience with clients, what is the most common deal breaker and uh, in committed relationships? Deal breaker in committed relationships. Mm, I work with people to help them stay together. So I haven't really had anybody have any like specific deal breakers, but it, let me just have a think about some people I've worked with because there is one at the moment where I'm like, comes back down to like compatibility and, and and standards and values. So specific deal breakers would be like, hmm. It's kind of difficult because it's we're doing a lot of generalization here because yeah. we don't have the specifics of it. But I guess that, um, I mean, it, I, I'm also guilty of it. There's ridiculous things that I would have considered a deal breaker in my 20s that I look back now and I'm like, that's just absolutely foolish and stupid, right? Like that should never have been a deal breaker, but it was at that time. So I guess it just depends on your situation, but it goes back yeah, to communicating. Like, the easy answer is cheating, right? But even then, I don't know if cheating is a deal breaker because sometimes cheating is a sign of like, where is the relationship not working out? <sighs> Are there people in the studio laughing at this? No, no, I have Angelina there. I'm just looking at her. That's all. Just I, I double check to make sure everything's still going well. That's all it is. Oh, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's yeah. Does that? I don't know if that answers your question. It's a really hard question to answer. Well, no, I've had, I've seen, I've never. To me, that deal breaker is like if if there's a cheating going on, I, I basically just as as simply as whatever you don't want me to ever do with somebody else, I don't want you to do with that person, right? And mm-hmm. then that starts the process of this relationship is done. So it's just like if you did that, there's a reason why you did it. So what's the mm. real reason? But I'm not yeah. really going to look at you the same way. I'm not still going to care for you the same way. I'm still not going to be able to love you because that will still be there. That's yeah. that's what I've learned from it. But other, I've seen people <laughs> gladly go through that and then try to work it out. And then they just, they continue. I call it a charade at that point. Mm. They, they kept it Mm-mm. up just for the sake of either their family or their for kids or their situation. But I mean, uh, it wasn't that long ago when I was hearing all kinds of stories of couples in their thirties and forties and that they wouldn't separate. They wouldn't divorce because the kids didn't, the kids couldn't decide on which parent they wanted to go to or go with. Mm. Right. And then they, they were, they're making, they're basing the decision on which parent was making more money. And so, wow. you, yeah, so it was a lot of self, there was the, the resolutions attached to anything that was going to be done was based on monetary. And I was like going, first of all, all you kids need beatings. That's what you need. Right. So we can wake you up and understand that that's not how you should be making a decision. So it's like for me, for me, a deal breaker is, yeah, obviously, you, if, if you cheat, then that's a different story. If you want to try to work on fixing it, mm. I don't know if I can. I think I'm too old school to think that way. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah i mean like deal breakers are so you know domestic violence all that sort of stuff there's so many things lying yeah cheating but then may not be a deal breaker for people for people everybody's different you know yeah uh I, i i'm curious about this one um what have been the hardest lessons your clients have learned from loving someone unconditionally unconditionally Hardest lessons clients have learned from loving someone unconditionally. Mm-hmm. The constant feedback that I get is self-responsibility. Okay. It's the hardest lesson. Makes sense. Yeah. Loving your partner unconditionally means that you're willing to put aside your own stuff, your assumptions, your, you know, taking things personally and all that sort of stuff and taking responsibility for your own for your part in the relationship and loving them anyway. Does that answer your question? It does. It totally, uh, I can go on for days talking to you about all this stuff, but we're, we're getting yeah. close to the end and I know you're busy as well too, but I've got a few more questions. Um, other than kids and money, what are some other reasons why people stay and live unhappily together? Actually, we, mm. just, we just brought that up, but there are a lot of couples that stay because of kids and money. Yeah, totally. Um, complacency i feel like people don't want to be alone um they have a fear of having to start all over again they might have you know i've heard that there's people out there who have stds like herpes and they don't want it they don't think that they're ever going to find somebody else who's going to accept them in that um religious reasons you know like we're bound Rose. We're bound. Yeah, that was my bad. No, no, well, I don't know. Just froze. But yeah, we're bound to this marriage, so we can't. Yeah, we can't continue. Those are some reasons that I I see happening in relationships. Yeah, I agree. I agree with them. Um, and then I guess yeah, here's an interesting question: 
How important is a woman's slash man's body count to the average man, average woman? In today's Say that first bit again. So sorry, I, it's actually the same question. So how important is a woman's body count to an average man? How important is a man's body count to an average woman? So it's, a, it's actually a body count towards both sexes, right? So you're going to have to inform me what body count means because I don't, I don't think that's an Australian thing. Oh, so how many people you slept with before you met this person? Oh, uh, body count. Okay. I think it matters more to men about how many Women. men. It, it, it matters more to men how many men women have slept with. Yes. Sorry, you're freezing up again. Okay, oh, that's okay. Yeah, no, no, no. So, um, so yeah, I, and I agree with you. I think it matters more to the men than it does to the woman. Yeah, yeah, it matters more to the men than it does to the woman, for sure. So speaking to your clients, how important is that topic in a relationship? Not really that important. That's not a really huge topic of conversation with my clients. When they come to me, they're usually at that point of like, either resentment and they're wanting to fix a relationship or they're like stale and stagnant and they're wanting to create more pleasure and play. Um, the body count isn't really a big thing. So I work mostly with couples. I mean, my mentality as whatever it is, it's, I didn't give a shit what you did before me. I only care what happens with me and that's mm -hmm. it. Simple as that. Hmm. I like that, but that you're a man, you know, I don't know much about you, but like you seem quite integrated in your masculinity. I'm weathered. <laughs> <sighs> but I, you know who you are and you're strong in that. You're not exactly, you know what you can bring and you're not going to waver on who was in the past. That's why I find it a little bit entertaining when I get the younger men reaching out to me, asking me what to do. And I'll just tell them what I did wrong or right. Mm. and they have a glazed look over their head but i just said just try it see if it kind of <laughs> works right if it works then great then yeah. give me some feedback but uh what mm. advice would you give to a woman who is dating a man who struggles with impotency what advice would i give a woman patience you know like if it's more of a psychological thing for men than it is a physical thing 100 and so yeah, if you're able to meet him psychologically and what that means is like pump up his tires, tell him how amazing he is, you know. Chances are he's probably feeling in intimidated by you or feeling like overwhelmed by how much love he has for you. Like reassure him how you feel about him, reassure him that he is amazing and when you're in the bedroom, work towards deep breathing together, you know, and taking things slow and really building the energy up and building the sensation up. It's like also important that he seeks help if it's a if it's an ongoing problem, but don't take it personally. That's ultimately what I would say as well. Do not take it personally. It has nothing to do with you. You may have play a part in it, but ultimately it comes down to him and his relationship with him, his mind and body. It's a great response. It's exactly, that's exactly it. That's mm. how they should look at it. Yeah. But but most men don't look at it that way, right? They just start yeah. to panic and then they're just adding to the panic and anxiety. And then all of a sudden just all kinds of stuff happen. So what are yeah. three characteristics that every high value man encompasses? 
three characteristics every high value man encompasses integrity mm-hmm. and I guess being a man of your word kind of falls into integrity but integrity is a bit broader yeah but yeah being a man of your word and being connected to your purpose living out your purpose what are three important things that our uh, high-value woman wants to, in a man? The same things. Not presence. Yeah, integrity, yeah. presence. Per, like a man connected to his purpose. Um, emo- not emotionally available. Like not so much so where you're like spilling all of your emotions on a woman, but emotionally intelligent and emotionally present. That's, you know, I think where people get really confused is that, oh, we want men to cry. Yeah, great. And also let's have a talk about what that does to the polarity in the relationship and how much you trust him when you see him cry. <laughs> um, what you really want is that he can hold you in your emotions and express his emotions in an intelligent way, not in a sort of tantrumy, boyish kind of way. That's what women want. I like that. Um, how can two people keep a relationship thriving amidst life's lows and less romantically riveting periods in their lives? So the romance is gone. It just left out the door. Well, (laughs) it's so simple. Like romance is gone. What are you doing to create romance? Like get romantic. Sorry, I froze there for a second. No, no, yeah, I, yeah. Th- I think you were saying get romantic. Basically, just make the effort. Start doing it. Don't forget what you did in the beginning. Don't forget what you still want to do. Don't forget that men are creative. Think about new ways yeah. of being romantic. This is going to sound really misogynistic, but it was said by a man called Omrapani, and I, I love him. He was like, you know, women complain that a man is not putting in his effort in the relationship anymore, but, like, she stops putting in effort as well, and it sounds really terrible but like at the beginning of a relationship women are like taking priority in their appearance and showing up in a really beautiful way and then all of a sudden they let that go and then you get you a woman might meet a man at the office or a man at work who suddenly she has an interest in and then all of a sudden she starts putting in more effort in her appearance so it's those little things as well, like dress up for each other, do things that turn, you know, turn you on and make you feel radiant and show up with that radiance in the relationship. Don't expect that from your partner. Burn the sweatpants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put some lingerie on and cook that dish together, you know, that decadent meal. All right. I, I, I got to do the 12 questions of construction. I really appreciate this, Samantha. Honestly, this has been amazing just speaking to you. And uh, I totally forgot to tell everybody at the very beginning of the show that you're in Australia. What part mm. of Australia are you in? I am currently living near Byron Bay. Okay. But I'm moving to the Gold Coast. So we were so, trying to figure out before we were going to get on the phone with you, uh, you Australia has about 10,000 time zones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you're, I think yeah. you're 14 hours ahead of us. So we're speaking to you. We started speaking to you at 7.15 p.m. our time. What time is it there yeah. now? 
It is now 10 to 11 yeah, in so the morning. It was, yeah, it was 9.15 when we started, so 14 hours. 9.15, yeah. Yeah, 14-hour difference. So thank yeah. you so much. So uh, Wandering Love, she's an intimacy and relationship coach, uh, www.wanderinglove.com.au, and it's Samantha at wanderinglove.com.au, and then on Instagram is Samantha underscore Wandering Love, and then also find her on Facebook under the Intimacy Unleashed with two Ds. You ready to answer the 12 questions of construction? I think so. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no right or wrong. It's just pure fun. That's what it is. Uh, okay, cool. What is your favorite construction word? Uh, like, I'm going to use Aussie smoker. Oh, okay, no, totally. I know the Aussie term, so it's all good. Smoker. Yeah. What is your least favorite construction word? Uh, tools. Sorry, what was it? tools tools like put the tools down i don't know like there's a there's a, yeah what what turns you on in construction men <laughs> moving their bodies in sweat that's been expressed a few times on this show uh what turns you off yeah. in construction um the messiness and the dirt and the grit what's your favorite curse word what's your favorite vehicle anything in the world oh my favorite vehicle i i love a good full drive preferably the g-wagon okay (laughs) what's your least favorite vehicle least favorite who one day gets (laughs) what construction sound or noise do you love what construction sound or noise do you love ah i love the sound of a drill what construction sound or noise do you hate the sound of a saw an electric saw there has been so much hate for saws on the last six or seven shows because it's like that's what they say everyone i don't get it (laughs) i need to get some chippies on the show so then we can start getting a lot of love for the saw um chippies oh my gosh (laughs) uh (laughs) what profession other than your own would you like to attempt events event management what profession would you not like to do ever going back into the office yeah i know anything in corporate the last question if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at those pearly gates Oh, this was such a great question. I wrote it down somewhere. Um, what would I like God to say? Oh, that's what it was. What Thank you for your patience. No, no, go ahead. I want God to tell me and affirm to me that I left the world better than I found it. Nice. Yeah. That's a good one. Samantha, thank you very much. Thank you so much for your patience. No, all all good. No, no, totally all good. It was such a great conversation. And and I honestly, I can, I can honestly say this. You've helped, you've helped some trade people here that are listening to this show because there's a lot of them going through a lot of stuff and they don't know how Mm -hmm. to handle it. They really do not. And they have a hard time reaching out and some do reach out, but a lot of them are having a hard time. And, um, Mm -hmm. so uh, thank you. I really appreciate that you shared so much for, and I'm, I'm, I'm positive that you have connected, uh, some, some thoughts to these individuals and hopefully it helps them and, um, hopefully they get back to the relationships and make them better.
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been so amazing to share all this wisdom and knowledge. And yeah, I'm an advocate for relationships working out. So I hope that this has helped them in some way. Totally. Thank you. Everybody, if you have any questions, they can always just reach out to you as well too, right? So they can get them at uh, www.wanderinglove.com.au and samantha at wanderinglove.com.au and on Instagram, samantha underscore wanderinglove. And don't forget the Facebook uh, group, Intimacy Unleashed with Double D. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We're out of here, Angelina. Thank you so much.